My brother need not be idealized or enlarged in death beyond what he was in life. To be remembered simply as a good and decent man who saw wrong and tried to right it, saw suffering and tried to heal it, saw war and tried to stop it. Those of us who loved him and who take him to his rest today pray that what he was to us and what he wished for others will someday come to pass for all the world. Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. Some weeks we break down one larger mystery between the two of us. Other weeks we pick two smaller mysteries on a theme and teach each other about them based on our own independent research. This week, as you just heard, we're talking about conspiracy theories related to the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy. You may have recognized that speech that was his brother Ted Kennedy's eulogy at his funeral. Right. Just part of the eulogy, but our personal favorite part of that quote, which I think sums him up really well. It sums up RFK really well, and you can tell that, like, Ted Kennedy is, like, cut up. Like, that hurt. That was rough to listen to, even though I've heard that many times now. Just hearing his voice waver so many times. Yeah. Yeah. So, one of the saddest things about researching this topic, which both of us knew quite a bit about it, but when you go to the Wikipedia article for assassination of Robert F. Kennedy, there has to be a little note at the top kind of clarifying for the assassination of Robert's brother, John, see assassination of John F. Kennedy. Jesus. Like, just how shitty is it that two brothers, five years apart, are tragically assassinated? Right. And that's just, like, the beginning of the whole Kennedy curse. Yeah. Like, the part of the reason why Ted Kennedy is so sad during that eulogy is because he's, he has two, three older brothers now who have died. Yeah. Joe Kennedy died in a plane crash during World War II. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, you know, like, the fourth son. Like, he's not expecting to have to, like shoulder the responsibility of like the whole family or whatever right and now he absolutely has to and he's like giving a eulogy at another well i don't think he gave the eulogy at jfk's but he had to attend his third brother's funeral right all dying tragic deaths at young ages rfk was only 43 when he died yeah so left behind what 10 kids and one unborn child yeah shitty it's wild shitty yeah, cannot be overstated how shitty it is. Right. As you, like, start to read about RFK, like, I didn't know a huge amount about, like, RFK, like, as a person or, like, w- what his, like, ideology and, like, what his beliefs and stuff were. But I, I would vote for RFK. Oh, yeah. I wish he was running for president in this next cycle because yeah. I would vote for him in a for heartbeat. For sure. Yeah, he was amazing. He, 1968, obviously, like, this time of great unrest. Mm-hmm. The Vietnam War was peaking. The anti-war movement on the other side was peaking. Martin Luther King Jr. had just been killed in, what, April Mm -hmm. of that same year? I think so. Just a few months before. Right. So this was huge. So there's riots being sparked all over the country. Yep. And Lyndon Johnson decides, who was, if you don't know, was sworn in when JFK was killed. Right. He decides he's not going to seek re-election. Right. And... At some point, RFK is like, sweet. Right. So this is kind of like this huge bit of hope for everybody. Right. People were devastated when JFK was killed. Right. That was awful. And that will be a future episode as well. But oh, yeah. But that was devastating. 
And then RFK is kind of like, right. you know, the even more liberal version of his brother. Right. Because, like, after JFK was assassinated, um, Lyndon Johnson, like, really escalated the war in Vietnam and was just seen as some, by some as just like, like a, like a, they call him like a hawk. Mm. It was like all for war mm-hmm. and thought that just like, you know, crushing Vietnam was the way to go. Yeah. And so RFK was coming along and was very opposed to the Vietnam War and was openly like hoping to end it if he became president. Yeah. He was for um, civil rights. Oh, yeah. Him and um, Martin Luther King, as well as Cesar Chavez, like he was all for um, civil rights and basically just like, let's start treating people like people yeah and treat everybody equally crazy not kill people in vietnam and we're still struggling with all of these concepts oh god yeah like so but yeah he was just a beacon of hope beacon of hope and that's a good way to put shattered. it shattered yeah totally shattered before he even had a chance to do much of anything mm-hmm. i mean he had been well we'll go into now to who he was right as a person so okay. we, we know now how shitty it was that he died right for so many reasons so RFK. Yep. He was a lawyer, yep. politician. He was the attorney general for a few years. Under JFK. Under JFK, his brother. Um, and he was a New York State Senator from 1965 until his death. Yeah. Um, he worked on JFK's campaign. He basically got JFK elected both as a senator and as a president. Yep. And then became attorney general and was one of JFK's closest advisors. Yeah. I personally think that RFK was... Maybe a savvier politician and just generally kind of like the brains behind JFK and JFK was like the charisma. Mm. But I mean, RFK was also super charismatic as oh, well. Yeah. So yeah. they had it, they had it going. Right. We were just talking about how interesting it was that both RFK and JFK kind of growing up were not intended by their father to be the politicians of the family. Right. Kind of the, the oldest brother was meant to be. The politician. Joe Kennedy. And then he died. He died in a plane crash in World War II. Yep. JFK was, like, severely wounded in World War II. And was he really? Yeah. Huh, yeah, that's that. why he was a, a, ended up getting addicted to, like, painkillers and oh. was just kind of generally fucked up. He had to wear, like, a back brace all the time. Damn. Which, weird little side note here is that the reason why when JFK was assassinated, he doesn't slump over in the car... Oh. After his head got shot was because he was wearing his back brace. No so way. it held his body up. And actually, if he hadn't been wearing the back brace and he had slumped after the first shot, the second shot might not have connected and he might not have died. Damn. So, total side That's note. some, I mean, Kennedy curse. Yep, Kennedy curse. Just one of those weird little things, like, mm-hmm. you'd never even think about it. Right. No back brace might be alive. Yeah. Shit. I mean, probably, again, with the Kennedy curse, he would have died in some other tragic some other way strange, later. But, yeah, like, exactly. he would have lived through that and then died later. But... Yeah, no, he he was super successful. He was obviously heading towards even more success. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he had all kinds of kind of accomplishments in his life, um, but he was a big deal. He kind of went up against the Teamsters president Jimmy Hoffa. He challenged the unions. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had been the chief counsel of the Senate Labor Rackets Committee for a couple years, which was a committee kind of to study, like, improper practices between employees and employers. Right. Um, and to kind of enact laws that would prevent those things and resigned to conduct JFK's campaign. Yeah. So, and then after JFK won, he became attorney general. Good times. And, yeah, he was really big in the fight against, you know, well, fight for civil rights, the yep. fight against organized crime and the mafia. 
He was very much involved in U.S. policy in regards to Cuba. Um, and then, yeah, he remained in office after the assassination until he left to um, run for Senate. Right. So he was obviously a very prominent member of the Democratic Party, and some historians view him as sort of an icon of modern American liberalism. Yeah. Again, he kind of collaborated with uh, Kennedy and then later with Johnson to create the landmark Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um, he expanded the United States Department of Justice Civil Rights Division by 60%. He was perceived by many to be the only person in American politics capable of uniting the people. Damn. And then he died. Yep. Before then he, he was could murdered. even Yeah. Then he was murdered. Yeah. Um, before he could even like take office or even... He hadn't even officially been um, nominated as the Democratic candidate for right. presidency yeah. to run against. Because Johnson had announced that he wasn't going to run anymore. It was basically between RFK and this dude Humphreys. Mm -hmm. And RFK was almost certainly going to win oh, yeah. the nomination because Humphreys wasn't nearly as charismatic or didn't have this, this same track record of fighting for the common person and fighting for, you know, the disadvantaged. Yeah. So RFK almost definitely would have been the presidential candidate who would have run against... Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon. As a Republican. Yeah. Guess who would have won that? Right. Yeah. Not Nixon. No. So, we talk a little bit about the man who is known to have killed RFK. Except, or he is accepted to have killed. Accepted, yes. Yeah. The accepted, uh, yeah. The person the, who's the in prison story. for killing RFK, we'll say. Right. Um, and that is Sirhan Sirhan. Yep. He was a Palestinian Arab with Jordanian citizenship. He was born in Jerusalem, uh, moved to the United States when he was 12 with okay. his parents. He was right. a refugee. Um, he held strongly anti-Zionist beliefs. So Zionism, for people who don't know, is a movement of the Jewish people that supports the reestablishment of a Jewish homeland in the historic land of Israel, which is the region of Palestine. Right. So he was not psyched about that. Right. Well, I mean... Palestinians lived there already, and right. then the British created Israel, and now Palestine is not even technically a country anymore, and it's being, that's a whole nother, that's yeah. a whole nother can of worms, there's, there, there's <laughs> a, a lot of, thing. there's a lot of things on both sides, so, yeah, it's, he was born into a very conflicted part of the world, and being a Palestinian Christian living in America yeah. must have been a very not like jarring, but it just a very like incongruous mm. upbringing, I yeah. guess. Um, yeah. He had some conflicting beliefs with RFK, right. with RFK's support of Israel. He initially very much supported RFK mm. and thought RFK was a great person and was going to vote for him. It wasn't until RFK announced that he was going to, I believe it was sell some fighter jets to yeah. Israel and basically just aid Israel. Mm -hmm. um, RFK just kind of announced this, almost as like a sideline and something else he was talking about. And that is supposedly the switch in his brain that made him decide that RFK must die. Yeah. Um, which we'll get into it, but that isn't necessarily very strong motivation to do so. Right. Well, yeah. So he, Sirhan was living in Pasadena at the time. Um, he had worked at, do you remember what exactly, like a horse? Yeah, like a, he, the, his occupation was stable boy. Okay. So he took care of horses, he mm -hmm. cleaned up horse stalls, he basically was just like the help around a horse. 
farm? farm? I think uh, it's a horse farm. I know. There's a, definitely a name for it that is not horse farm. <laughs> we just offended a whole bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, they're just growing some horses. Did they yeah. come up out of the ground head first or tail first? <laughs> tail first. It's like a right, carrot. Exactly. No, wait, the carrot's underground. How do they breathe, bro? I don't know. I don't know. They're growing horses. It's okay. a horse farm. Yeah. I can't. I can't even begin to understand it no <laughs> so he's working with horses yes. and he suffers a head injury he, he's he suffered several head injuries several, over yeah. the course of his stable boy ship yeah before he stopped doing that in 1966 right and so it's thought that perhaps these head injuries have something to do with his mental state right which there's talk that he was obsessed with mystical powers he believed that he was learning how to control events with his mind um, and he was fascinated with hypnosis. Like, psychiatrists later determined that he was highly susceptible to hypnosis. I think the the guy used the phrase that he was the most hypnotizable person that he had ever met in his life. Which is crazy. Yeah. That guy has not met me. Right. But <laughs> Sirhan is, as far as he knows. As far as he knows. That he's met. Which which is an interesting That's thing a really, to say like, strong statement to say for somebody who hypnotized... I think he's been hypnotizing people for, like, 30 years or Yeah, something. he was, like, an expert in hypnosis. Yeah. Was like, dude, this guy. He's like, it took, like, nothing. Yeah. Which is crazy. So that's gonna, that's gonna factor in very heavily later when we start talking about this. Yes. Yes. So, um... Yeah, essentially, later on, they found a diary in the search of Sirhan's home. Yep. That on May 19th, just, what, a couple weeks before the assassination, mm -hmm. he, it kind of made it seem like this was just like a paragraph, but it was kind of like repeated throughout his diary. Yeah. Um, phrases like my determination to eliminate RFK is becoming more and more of an unshakable obsession. RFK must die. RFK must be killed. Robert F. Kennedy must be assassinated. And then a very specific Robert F. Kennedy must be assassinated before five June, 1968. Hmm. So again, we'll go into it later, but Sirhan still like, insists that he does not remember writing any of that stuff. Right. Sirhan Sirhan is still alive in prison right now. He is alive. He's in prison. Um, but yeah, so they found these these writings. Um, the June 5th is supposed to be significant because it was the first anniversary of the start of the Six-Day War between Israel and its Arab neighbors. Um, essentially a war in which Israel responded to a buildup of Arab forces along its borders by launching simultaneous attacks against Egypt, Syria, and Jordan. Um... And ended up occupying several different major spots in these different countries um, that were previously under Jordanian rule. So this was kind of a significant date for him. It's it's sort of like when Israel coalesced into a real military force in the Middle East that could stand up for itself and essentially like protect its territory. Because mm. like um, Sirhan Sirhan's anti-Zionist views were shared by many of Israel's Arab neighbors mm -hmm. and didn't want Israel to be established there and didn't think that they should stay. So this tiny little country is surrounded by many countries that did not think that they should even exist. So yeah. for Israel to have sort of like established itself as a major military force was a, a turning point in the Zionist movement to where it's, it's, you know, Israel is a thing, it's not going anywhere, and was a very disheartening thing, I would imagine, for... Um, you know, anybody from Palestine or anybody who had anti-Zionist views that would have been very traumatic experience. Yeah. So for him to say that RFK must die before the 5th of June makes some sense that that would be the date that he would choose because it's yeah. sort of like the, the, like the, the proving ground where Israel proved itself. So, yeah. Yeah. 
definitely it tied into the whole theory, I guess, that this was his main motivation. Yeah. They when they booked him, they found a newspaper article in his pocket that was talking about Kennedy's support of Israel, which again he later testified that Kennedy's support is what caused him to start hating him. Um, in 1989, he told an English journalist, David Frost, um, quote, my only connection with Robert Kennedy was his sole support of Israel and his deliberate attempt to send those 50 bombers to Israel to obviously do harm to the Palestinians. Which again, he doesn't say in that quote, my only reason for killing him, just says that my only connection with him. Right. Meaning, you know, that before that he was just like, great, he seemed like a great guy, seems like somebody I'd vote for, and then, I mean... It doesn't, it's not out of the realm of possibility, obviously, that somebody would start to dislike or even hate a politician for those reasons. Um, But a lot of people think that this idea that he just was motivated by these Middle Eastern politics is kind of oversimplifying the issue and sort of ignoring his obvious psychological problems. Right. Like multiple head injuries combined with this sort of traumatic upbringing of, you know, being a refugee in America. Yep. So I, I, I... I can see some some of like the the connections there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He he tried to co- confess to the crime and several times tried to change his plea to guilty. His lawyers insisted on um, use a defense of diminished responsibility during the trial, which I guess is a pretty popular defense when there's the death penalty on the table. Um, and he testified himself that he had killed Kennedy quote with twenty years of malice aforethought. Which, dude was 24 at the time, like, 20 years of malice, really? Right. Not sure about that, but he still, again, from the beginning and up until today, claims that he does not remember committing the murder, he does not remember writing those things in his diary, um, and that he only admitted guilt due to his attorney's instruction. So, it's kind of, again, we'll go into that a little bit, but it's interesting to read all these conflicting things about this. Right. Um, But, you know, there are things that kind of weigh in to his guilt a little bit, like him taking hours of target practice earlier in the day before he shot Kennedy. Right. Well, Does not look good. I have a <laughs> part of my theory that wraps this all up. We'll yeah. tie that in. Tie that in. Mm-hmm. All right. He, yeah, some people said he had been waiting in the pantry, the kitchen area where Kennedy was shot for at least 30 minutes, that he had been asking people who walked by if Kennedy would be going through there. Again, when we get into the hypnosis thing, this is not mm-hmm. out of the realm. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting reading about, after Sirhan was arrested and booked, how much they, not took care of him, but how much they protected him. Right. Because of the situation with Oswald being killed by Jack Ruby while he was in custody. Yeah. They really wanted to make sure that didn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, the windows to his room were covered in steel plates. Deputies were patted down before entering his room, and everything he ate came from a can. Wow. Just to be sure nobody got in there to shoot him, nobody poisoned him. It's wild crazy well i know that the lapd during this whole assassination investigation very much had in mind that like um the dallas pd during the jfk assassination was is basically universally believed to have botched the investigation and just did all kinds of like dumb shit that made them look bad so the lapd was very aware of that and they wanted to sort of like do this one right this Mm -hmm. this kennedy assassination do it like investigate it correctly and not the way that the Dallas police had done it. Right. And so they, that was like very much like a forethought in their mind while they were investigating all of this. Yeah. Clearly because they didn't want Sir and Sir Anne to be assassinated. Right. Like Oswald was. Yeah. Because 
the JFK assassination is still being talked about and theorized today. Mm-hmm. And people still talk about how shitty they handled that investigation. So right. probably good. I mean, there's still many aspects of how the LAPD handled this that weren't great either. Oh yeah, they, they definitely so, did not do it. They, they, they thought not, about it, but they did not do a better job. <laughs> yeah, no, they did not do much better. So yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting um, just to, to read about that. Like, it's just weird to think about them. I just researching it. You, you know that these two assassinations happened close together, but like thinking about it really like five years is really not that long. No, it's really not. So them being like, Oh shit. Like this was still like pretty fresh in their minds of like, fuck. Right. Like this just fucking happened. Um, but yeah, he's still in prison. Um, he was initially sentenced to death, but there was, um, a California Supreme court ruling in 72, just a few years later that outlawed the use of capital punishment. So he, Ended up just having life in prison. It's the same thing that happened to Charles Manson. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. He had the death penalty, and, uh, and then he lived the rest of his days because Man. of that exact same statute. Charles Manson should have died. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think so. But, yeah, he's still there. He's at the Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego County. Interesting. Yeah. So, let's talk about the assassination. All right, let's get into the actual, yeah, the assassination here. The actual assassination. So, it's June 5th, 1968. It's shortly after midnight. He just won the California primary. Yep. This is a big deal. He's at the Ambassador Hotel in yep. Los Angeles. He had literally just given his speech. Just gave his speech, like super happy speech, mm-hmm. being like, this is awesome. Let's go on to Chicago, I think, I think was going to so, be yeah. the next stop. Ugh. Um, yeah, addressing his supporters, having a great time. He originally had the plan to go see another crowd of supporters. So he was going to walk through the ballroom to go do that. But then a press conference was requested. So they were like, no, go through the kitchen. It's a shortcut to the press room. So he's like, sweet. Apparently his bodyguard, um, former FBI agent Bill Barry, had advised him to avoid the kitchen. I don't know if maybe it was just because it was like a very small enclosed space or what the deal was. Right. But he had actually been advised to avoid it. But they were like, no, come on. It's like a shortcut. Um, so he's going through the kitchen. I'm trying to like, pict- I mean, I've seen pictures, but you know, it's hard to kind of get a vision in your mind. But it really is kind of a narrow little space he's walking through. Yep. Um, he stops, turns to his left, shakes hands with this 17-year-old bus boy, Juan Romero. Yep. Who, Poor if kid. you've ever seen the photo of J, uh, RFK laying on the ground yep. after being shot, that boy who's, like, looking all panicked at the camera, mm-hmm. holding RFK's head up, that is the bus boy who the was shaking boy. his hand. Yeah. Shitty. Right. Man. Yeah, he goes to shake his hands. Just as Sirhan Sirhan steps down from a low tray stacker next to the ice machine, rush past the Major D, who had been leading RFK kind of by the wrist through the crowd, and opened fire with a twenty-two caliber revolver yep. that he was previously hiding underneath a rolled-up campaign poster. Interesting. Which is shitty. Um, yeah, Kennedy was hit three times. I think, what is it, like once in the head, once in the shoulder? Yeah, one like went through his arm. Yeah, one went through his arm. Two of them stayed. Two of the bullets stayed in his body, and one of them was a through and through. Yep, and then five other people were hit by mm-hmm. the other five bullets. So yep. five other people were wounded. Everybody else that was hit lived. Yep, including one other guy who was shot in the head. Right. Ended up like I think it said it like bounced off his skull or something. Yeah. Dude, well, it was. Lucky. A, I mean, it was a twenty-two. So. Right. So everybody else was very lucky. Um, yeah, he laid there wounded. The busboy cradled his head and placed a rosary in his hand. Um, but one of Kennedy's, some of his last words was asking if everybody was okay. Yep. Which I think, again, just speaks to him as a person. Right. He He's, was more concerned about those around him than himself. Yeah. He was literally laying there in blood and was wondering about how everybody was doing. Um, 
which is super sad. It is really sad. And yeah, he, um, I guess the bodyguard, Barry, went and placed a jacket under Kennedy's head. Um, he said he later recalled, quote, I knew immediately it was a 22, a small caliber, so I hoped it wouldn't be so bad, but then I saw the hole in the senator's head and I knew. Oof. Which is chilling. That's really chilling. Yeah. Um, his wife, Ethel, three months pregnant with their 11th child, uh, gets ushered in to kneel beside him. I guess he turned his head and seemed to recognize her. Friend and journalist Pete Hamill recalled later that Kennedy had, quote, a kind of sweet, accepting smile on his face as if he knew it would all end this way. Ugh. Which, again, chills. Right. RFK had talked in the past about how he thought that he was the one who was going to be assassinated, not JFK. Yeah. This was basically like a foregone conclusion in his life that he would die at the hands of a gunman. Yep. He just wasn't sure when it would happen. He wasn't wrong. Right. Which is... Really, really sadly, he really was Really sad wrong. and really disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's chaos in this pantry. We've actually got a little bit of audio to play for you. Um, there was a reporter, reporter, journalist, yeah. somebody was making an audio recording of his speech, um, just audio, no video. And after he had recorded the speech, I mean, this was minutes later, he leaves the stage, goes through the crowd, goes through the kitchen, and then shots. So the same man who had the audio, audio recorder hit record again as soon as he heard the chaos. So this is just a little bit of that chaos. crazy that there that exists i mean there's photos of course which again we'll include in the show notes yep. um but it's just wild that this reporter just had the thought of like oh shit like something's happening yeah i gotta record this and that was kind of obviously him just sort of live reporting what was going on right um i can't remember reading about him if he like how close he i mean obviously he got close because he could see rafer was one of the bodyguards right so he was yelling at him to get sirhan yeah um but it's just, yeah, just wild. And that last, like, we don't want another Oswald again. It's just like, right? shit. Like, Even, like, seconds after the assassination, yeah. they're already thinking about JFK yeah. and comparing it to JFK's assassination. So awful. It's wild. Yeah. So his apparently his last words were um, him whispering, don't lift me, as the medical attendants were loading him onto the stretcher. Which I still think is kind of a shame. It is a shame. But... Yeah, he lost consciousness. Uh, he was brought to the hospital and then to another hospital. They attempted neurosurgery, but not successful. And he died um, just a little bit after a day after his shooting. So basically just unconscious and in operations and then dead. Yeah. So super sad. Um, and so that's basically the summary of that. So there are many theories. Right. Again, Sirhan Sirhan was... 
seen shooting him, was arrested, is in prison, but... Sirhan Zarian definitely pulled a gun, yes. fired eight shots from a revolver. Yes. That is a fact. Yeah, that is not Nobody under question. that. That, I think, is part of, you know, what makes this show so interesting is that we can talk about anything that's unknowable. Right. This episode obviously has nothing to do with paranormal. Mm-hmm. There's no paranormal theories here. I mean, the hypnosis thing is a little... It's a little, it's a little, it's a little out odd. there, but it's, uh, it's I wouldn't say there. it's paranormal. Yeah, not really paranormal. Everything is pretty straight up. Um, you know, just some of which are a little paranoid, some of which are based in some reality. I just heard this quote. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Exactly. Yeah, I think this is a perfect example of, like, Nothing too weird. There's no aliens here. Nope. There's no cryptids. Nope. Like, Bigfoot didn't come in and shoot him. Nope. Just the good old military-industrial complex. Exactly. Which, this won't be the first time that we've talked about the government being behind some shit. No. And it will not be the last time. No. Um, if there weren't people following us after the last Men in Black episode, there's going to be yep. people following us oh, now. Yeah, now we're on the CIA's radar. Uh, probably people that would be more likely to kill us, too. Mm-hmm. Shit. So, which... Here we go. So, the first theory kind of has to do with, um, like we mentioned earlier, if RFK... Had this was him winning the California primary. Yep. Big deal. Yep. Even in today's standards, mm-hmm. at the time, only thirteen states in the country did primaries. Right. So even bigger deal. He was almost definitely going to win the nomination. Yep. And had he won. Yep. He definitely would have beat out Humphrey. Yep. Oh, and yeah. it's thought by many historians and us that if it had been RFK versus Nixon, RFK would have won. Right. Well, not only that, but Nixon had already run against a Kennedy. Right. Nixon ran for president against JFK and lost. And lost. And was reportedly pissed. Yeah. Nixon hated JFK and hated the Kennedys because they represented his failure. Mm-hmm. And Kennedy Aaron and uh, Nixon was not the type of person who took failure lightly. No. So Kennedy uh, Nixon basically was all excited because. Um, Lyndon Johnson decided he wasn't going to run again. Um, he was going to run against, um, Nixon was going to run against Humphrey, who was, you know, not a bad candidate, but he was just kind of like middle of the road, not super charismatic, not super anyway. So Nixon thought he was going to have a pretty easy time getting the presidency this time. And then along comes RFK, RFK, wins the California primary, which another sort of insult to injury. I know that Nixon had also tried to run for governor of California and lost. Oh, no. So for RFK to come along, win in the state that Nixon lost in already, and then challenge Nixon to the presidency, mm-hmm. Nixon was not happy. Yeah. So I have no evidence to back this up. No. But he has motive, opportunity, and nobody listening to this podcast would think like, oh, Nixon wouldn't have somebody killed. Exactly. Nixon almost definitely did have people killed. We yeah. just don't know about this it. This is not the first sketchy thing that he, he would have He was willing to break it, have the, the uh, Democratic headquarters like bugged. He had like millions of dollars that he paid to various people for hush money. Yeah. Nixon was like not only willing, but very capable of conducting sketchy illegal shit yeah. behind the scenes and was like psyched to do it i feel oh, like yeah. he was excited to like break the law to become the president mm-hmm. so i'm not saying it was nixon <laughs> but but if i had to put my money on who i thought was behind all of this mm-hmm. nixon might be up there yeah he's up there this one makes me the most nervous to talk about because when you look up rfk assassination conspiracy theories 
somehow Nixon doesn't show up at all. Right. It's mentioned in many, many, many articles, just the idea that if RFK had gone on to go up against Nixon, that he probably would have won. Right. But somehow there's no real mention right. of Nixon potentially being involved. Um, which I know tends to be a thing, you know, when somebody is the president, they're that high up, like people try to be a little more hesitant to be like, yeah, he had somebody killed. <laughs> but again, of all opportunity? presidents, yeah. yeah, come on. Yeah. Of all presidents. I mean, Trump would have somebody killed too. Oh, absolutely. Well, but, he's not, he's not smart enough to get it done though. No, no. But Nixon could have done that. Oh yeah. Nixon so, was cunning. Yeah. So he's, he's one of our theories that maybe won't show up on the other theory lists. Right. But these following theories are like the most common right. theories. So basically these, like, so we're going to talk about Nixon. We're going to talk about the CIA. Yeah. So it's sort of a question of which of them had this done. Or if you ever learn about the JFK conspiracy, mm. it's I'd say it, like the accepted sort of like fa- fact of the conspiracy is that like, it's not just the military industrial complex. It's not just the CIA. It's all of these, like, it's like not just Cuba. It's like all of these shadowy forces coming together to assassinate this person because he's pissed off so many different types of people. Right. Which is kind of the same as RFK. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So maybe Nixon and CIA were in cahoots. It wouldn't be surprising. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So CIA theory. In 2006, the BBC's Newsnight program, um, they had research by filmmaker Shane O'Sullivan, who had released a documentary um, called RFK Must Die the following year in 2007. And he also wrote a book, Who Killed Bobby? The Unsolved Murder of Robert F. Kennedy in 2008. So dude is really into this. Um, He had supposed research alleging that several CIA officers were present the night of the assassination. Um, So again, just like any conspiracy theory, there's Mm -hmm. always going to be some proof for and some proof against. Right. Um, There are three men in both video and photos from the night that were identified by former colleagues and associates as former senior CIA officers. Um, But some of the conflicting evidence was that several people who knew them, including apparently some family members, insisted that they were not them. Now, the one guy, it was just people like, dude, that wasn't him. Which, if it was suspected that he was involved in some shady stuff, like, wouldn't people maybe be like, yeah, no, that wasn't him. Oh, yeah. There's no proof that it was him. So they're like, no, no, no. Um, but one of the dudes apparently died like six years before the assassination. So, okay. Unless he faked his death, which right. again, I'm not, Classic I'm not writing it out. Yeah. Right. Um, so maybe he's off the hook, but the other two dudes, who knows? Um, it was confirmed by the LAPD later that two of the three men were sales managers from the Belova watch company. The company had a convention in the ambassador hotel the same night, but O'Sullivan, the filmmaker, stood by his claim stating that Belova was a, quote, well-known CIA cover. And if Belova was a cover for the CIA, it would be very convenient mm-hmm. to have your fake watch company have yeah. a convention in the very hotel that presidential nominee RFK was coming to for his campaign speech. Yeah, because they'd have all the reason to be there. Mm-hmm. There'd be nothing suspicious about, like, you know, if they had no other reason to be there, like, why are these watch company dudes hanging out? They could show up a couple days before, scope the place out, figure Mm -hmm. out where the best place to do it was. Maybe they called the press conference, which is why JFK cut, or RFK cut through the... uh, (laughs) You knew you were going to do that. I knew I was going to do it. Um, (laughs) Maybe they called the press conference so that RFK would have to take the detour through the kitchen and go to the press conference instead of go through the ballroom. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. CIA has, like, like... 
none of what I just described is all that involved, especially if you're the CIA. Exactly. Like, this is just, like, like a Tuesday. Yeah, you know? this is just normal. And it, um, it's interesting to think that this assassination is why the Secret Service changed their protocol later so that there would be Secret Service coverage for potential candidates. Right. At the time, there were just there was just coverage for actual like whoever had been actually nominated. Right. Um, oh. But no coverage at all for people who were just seeking nomination. Interesting. So yeah, it, it was this. This is why I didn't they know. now do that. So which again, it's just one of those things like JFK the Kennedys riding through a fucking street in a convertible. Right. At the time, was not an unusual thing. No. Now he, that doesn't fucking JFK happen. JFK insisted on it. Yeah. Because he wanted to like be more accessible to the people. Yeah. Every time I watch that video. I'm like, it just struck over and over, which is like, what? Like, I cannot imagine. Right. Who thought this was a good idea? Yeah. I can't imagine a, a president or any, I mean, even like a celebrity for that matter, mm-hmm. necessarily like doing that, just being like crowds and crowds of people and you're just in an open topped car, just yep. like, hey guys. But at the time that wasn't unusual. And mm-hmm. at the time it wasn't unusual for RFK to just be, you know, he had people around him. Yeah. He had bodyguards, but he didn't have secret service. Right. Scoping the place out, you know, locking it down. But they do now. Yeah. So... Interesting. Yeah. So that's basically the CIA theory. Um, the Probably the most popular theory mm-hmm. is the second gunman theory. There's a lot of evidence for this one. There's so much evidence. There, yeah. The, it's pretty obvious. The idea is that Sirhan Sirhan, again, was one of the gunmen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, again, he did shoot him. Definitely. Um, but the idea is that there was a second gunman. Right. That Sirhan Sirhan was essentially a distraction and a fall guy. An easy who, target. An easy target to arrest and just say, like, oh, yeah, he, of course he's the only the only gunman. Meanwhile, after Sirhan Sirhan has opened fire, the actual murderer, you know, took a couple quick shots and or yeah. is the one who actually dealt the death blow that killed RFK. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sirhan's an easy person to fall on because even nowadays we are so quick to go to, like, oh, yeah, he had this obvious hatred you know, he's from the Middle East. He had this hatred of RFK because of his, you know, support of Israel. Mm-hmm. Clearly he did this. They call it Occam's razor. Whatever the simplest explanation for something is, is probably the right answer. Yeah. So that was just too easy. Too easy. Um, yeah, there's the location of Kennedy's wounds. Um, so Sirhan Sirhan, according to witnesses, was standing facing Kennedy when he shot him. Yep. Never closer than like 10 feet away. Yeah. Like at least I think like the closest any witness put him is like a couple feet away. Yeah. But it's, it was the core, the chief medical examiner and coroner for the County of Los Angeles, Thomas Noguchi said that the fatal shot was behind Kennedy's right ear and fired at a distance of one inch. Right. There's nobody that was there that saw Sirhan shoot that put him that close. Right. Um, even close enough to stretch out his arm and put the gun that close. It just wasn't. And a if thing. he's in front of Kennedy, how would he, how would he like twist his arm behind Kennedy's head, like and put his gun behind the ear? Like it doesn't. It, it, there's no reason you would ever do that. Well, the idea for that was that because Kennedy, like Sirhan, was in front of him, but maybe slightly to the side, and that Kennedy was turning to his left to shake hands. So he was exposing his right side. Oh, okay. But again, nobody put Sirhan close enough. Right. So even if he had been able to shoot him behind the ear, he wasn't that close. Interesting. Um, and there was also, apparently, after the first shot, Sirhan like, rushed towards Kennedy, yelling, you son of a bitch, Kennedy. Yeah. And that caused Kennedy to kind of turn his back defensively. But again, nobody 
said that they saw Sirhan get that close. Right. And there were a lot of people in that kitchen. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just chaos, but there were a lot of people that saw it. Um, so the lead crime scene investigator, Dwayne Wolfer, kind of an interesting name. Yeah. Dwayne. Dwayne. Um, testified at trial that a bullet taken from Kennedy's body and bullets from two of the other, other wounded victims all matched Sirhan's gun. But other experts who examined the three bullets said they had markings from different guns and different bullet manufacturers. Um, even an internal police document concluded that, quote, Kennedy and Weisel, which is one of the other victims, uh, bullets not fired from same gun. And, quote, Kennedy bullet not fired from Sirhan's revolver. So there's some dispute over whether, again, like the fatal shot or fatal shots were from Sirhan's gun or not. Right. So just that by itself is crazy physical evidence that supports a second shooter. Yeah. Like that's that's like pretty like the the coroner and like the LAPD itself essentially saying like, oh, yeah, this didn't happen mm -hmm. from just Sirhan Sirhan firing his gun, which was a revolver that hold eight, held eight shots. Yeah. Just from Sirhan Sirhan. Right. But there's and more. There's more. There's more. Speaking of eight shots, um, so three bullets hit Kennedy. Like we said, two were lodged in his body. One of them grazed his arm. And I think it said that like it bounced and went into the ceiling, um, which they recovered. So all five of the other bullets hit five different victims right. and stayed in their body. Right. So that's all eight. Yep. Two in Kennedy, one in the ceiling, five in other people. Um, but witnesses said that bullet holes were found in the door frames of the pantry. And that there's even photos that you can look at that show investigators examining them. And pointing to them. Yes. And, like, I think there's a... I could have sworn I saw a picture where you can actually see a bullet lodged in the doorframe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so which would obviously indicate a second gun. But Dwayne Wolfer, again, the lead crime scene investigator, said later that the holes in the metal inside were not bullets. And the doorframes were destroyed, incinerated yep. after the trial. Right. So they can't be examined again. No. Which is, what the hell, man? Right. Okay. So, this was like in the 70s. Uh, after, you know, a long time after RFK had been assassinated. Mm. And people were kind of starting to think about the whole idea of like, wait, like, is the accepted version of what happened to RFK, is, is that the real answer? So, some people were looking into some evidence. And a well-known prosecutor named Vincent Bugliosi, who was actually the prosecutor for the Manson murders. Yes. So, he's a very intelligent well-educated in the law prosecutor mm -hmm. was looking into a lot of this evidence. And so he wanted to examine the wooden door frame that supposedly had extra bullets lodged into it. And he found that the um, LAPD had incinerated the like, door jam. Mind. Fucking burned it. Burned like, let's it. take this evidence. This is the 70s. And this yeah. happened in, like, 68? Yeah. So, like, less than 10 years later, they're yeah. like, we don't need this this stuff anymore. Like, yeah, nobody's, nobody's going to want to see this. So they burned it. Insane. To quote uh, Vince Bugliosi, he said, I don't care if the evidence is a Mack truck. You do not destroy evidence. Yeah. Like he was, he, it blew his mind and he was pissed. Yeah. He was pissed about it. As he should be. Which that that kind of fuels a lot of like how we were saying that like the LAPD like kind of really mishandled this, this whole investigation. Mm. It's up for debate whether they're just incompetent or if they were sort of in cahoots with whoever like had Kennedy assassinated exactly. and basically were covering up their tracks. Mm -hmm. Cause like burning such a key piece of burning any evidence, but Seems burning such shady. a key piece of evidence is just so outside of the realm of like that any reasonable law enforcement person would ever do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Again, Wild. like a door frame doesn't even take that much, that much space. Right. Even like if you were concerned about, I mean, which seems insane that you'd be concerned about like, oh, right. too much space. Like, come on. It's like, get, like get rid of the evidence of like that one guy who was like selling like weed on the corner. Like yeah. get rid of that evidence. There's like, other evidence. The assassination of one of the most famous figures in all of American history. Yeah. The brother of someone else who was assassinated and there was already conspiracy theories swirling around about that. Yeah. Let's destroy evidence. Not only just evidence, but evidence that points to multiple bullets yeah. that were not fired from the only gun that was said to have fired in that room. Yeah. Again, physical evidence. To me, the only logical explanation for that is that they didn't want it to be investigated again. Right. There's because no other reason. They knew that that was going to come up later. And it's like, oh, oops. Yep. Sorry, it's gone. And then what do you got? I mean, you got photos, yep. but you can't prove definitely like beyond a reasonable doubt from those photos that... Those are bullets. Those are bullets, or those are anything. Right. So you're just kind of screwed without, yeah. Fuck. So from my from my perspective, it is almost a fact that there was a second shooter in the room with Kennedy and Sirhan. Yeah. That Sirhan was not the only person who fired his gun. Right. Sirhan definitely fired his gun. He did. And fired all of the bullets in his gun. Yep. Which, another little side note we didn't really talk about, but when Sirhan Sirhan was shooting, I think he maybe got like two or three shots off mm. with his arm outstretched yep. and immediately somebody grabbed him and pinned his arm down to um, a steam table that was there mm-hmm. and he squeezed off the last like three or four rounds or five rounds or whatever. Yeah, just randomly. Like just randomly squeezing while his arm was pinned down and they said he had like almost supernatural strength while he was doing it. Yeah. So he definitely wasn't aiming those last few shots. Oh no, he was, and he was not like, yeah, after he got those first few and obviously did hit Kennedy, he... That's how he just hit so many other people because he was just like, right. fuck this. He like, was just squeezing off all the shots. Yeah. He, and he kept firing after the bullets were like, like just like dry firing. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. No, there's there's other. So there's this audio recording, um, which that was the recording we played that bit of chaos from. Yeah. It's from this recording, the Przinsky recording. Um, this apparently was unknown to the public until 2004. It, Jesus. Again, had been this guy who was recording audio of the speech heard the shots fired and was like, oh shit, turned on the recorder again and was like, I got to live report this. Um, forensic expert, Philip Van Prague, 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 P-R-A-A-G. I never know how to say the double letters. Um, in 2007, he analyzed the audio tape um, and he discovered acoustic evidence that a second gun had been involved. He kind of was analyzing and thought that he heard somewhere around 13 shots yeah. fired. Um, again, Sirhan's gun only held eight rounds. And he had no opportunity to reload because few shots and he's tackled. Like, he's not reloading bullets into his gun. Right. Um, and apparently not only could he hear more than eight shots, but there were at least two instances where the timing between the shots was shorter than physically possible from one single gun. Right. So it was obvious that, like, some shots were almost, like, layered over each other. Yeah. Like, just close enough. Um, which, again, there's many different audio specialists and... Um, ballistics experts that corroborate that, and there's some that don't. Mm-hmm. That's any conspiracy theory for you. Make your decision yourself. Yeah. Um, yep, there There was an eyewitness that even as recently as 2008 asserted that he believed there was a second gunman. He was there, mm-hmm. this Australian journalist. Um, and even RFK's son, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., um, he has kind of been a proponent of reopening this investigation. He had been kind of doing, like, months of his own investigation, even uh, interviewing witnesses who had been there, and he concluded his months of research by going to the prison and speaking with Sirhan Sirhan for three hours. 
Um, and by the end of it, he reached the conclusion that there was a second gunman and that it was not Sirhan who actually killed his father. It's so, wild. so crazy. to recap all of the physical evidence for yeah. why there's a second shooter. Okay. Yeah. You have, um, the entry wound behind, um, RFK's ear. Yep. That definitely didn't come from Sirhan. Yeah. Too close. Too close. You have the number of bullets that were definitely recovered or recovered and then destroyed, which is more than eight, which Mm -hmm. is more than the bullets that Sirhan Sirhan had in his gun. Physically impossible. Physically impossible. And then you have the audio analysis that shows up to 13 shots being fired rather than just eight. Yeah. This seems like the strongest theory to me. Right. Honestly. Well, this theory... So, okay. So if there's a second shooter... Who is it? Who is it? Who that could it leads possibly to be? potentially a security guard. Yes, as a second gunman who was behind Kennedy. Behind Kennedy, when yep. this started, when the when all the firing happened, so yep. he would be in a prime spot to mm-hmm. take that shot behind the ear. With all the chaos going on, right? Yeah, this um, gentleman, Thane Eugene Caesar. Strange name. Strange name. <laughs> what kind of name is Thane? I don't know. Um, he was employed by the Ace Guard Service. He has been cited as the most likely candidate for the second gunman. Yep. He was the only, he was the one who documented fact was the only other one in the room other than Sirhan Sirhan who had a gun in his hand. Yes. He was a security guard. He had a gun. Like that right there is pretty strong evidence that if there was a second shooter, it was probably him. Yes. He admitted drawing the gun during the shooting. Um, but he said that the gun that he had with him was a 38, not a 22. Interesting. So, yeah, apparently the LAPD did not regard him as a suspect, but the sketchy part about the story yes. is he was interviewed in late June, 1968, LAPD. He was like, yeah, I also own a 22 caliber, but, and showed it to the sergeant. Like, I was like, here you go. Um, but three years later, he was interviewed again. And in that interview, he said, oh yeah, I had one, but I sold it before the assassination told them the name of the guy they sold it to. They tracked down the guy who's like, yeah, I got the receipt still. The receipt shows that he sold it in September, 1968. So that's three months after the assassination, which is also super shady. So he had a 22 in his possession at the time that RFK was assassinated. Yeah. He was standing behind RFK on the night of the assassination. Yep. He like, just to get into some of like the personal details of his life, he was um, a vocal supporter of a presidential candidate, George Wallace, Openly racist, terrible person. Mm-hmm. He, the Thane himself, Thane. <laughs> vocally hated the Kennedys and would like deride the Kennedys. And I, I want to say that during one of the interviews that he gave after the assassination, he said something to the effect of like, I'm not sad like RFK is dead. Mm. He hated the Kennedys. So he had, yeah. you know, motive. Yep. Um, and a sort of like weird coincidence, or maybe it's not a coincidence, was that one of his other like part-time jobs was working as like a custodian or he, yeah. some sort of job at Lockheed Martin. Yeah. He was a maintenance plumber. Okay. Maintenance so plumber. security clearance from the department of defense. Right. Which some people cited as like, Oh, he couldn't have done anything illegal, which right. is like, really? what? Um, <laughs> okay. That's the worst logic. <laughs> yeah. He's um, fine. I read somewhere that he actually had the second highest clearance in the plant Yeah, because since he had to be able to go in wherever there was a 
plumbing issue, he had really high clearance. We could go into these like really highly restricted areas. Just kind of interesting. What a perfect cover for a CIA operative who needs Department of Defense clearance. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, he's a plumber. He's like, a plumber. who's gonna look at the plumber? Exactly. And then you give him the second highest clearance. And you're like, oh yeah, because he has to like fix stuff in like sensitive areas. Yeah. It's like the perfect cover. Perfect. And that's his part-time job. His other part-time job is working as a security guard. Mm-hmm. So if you are to believe that the CIA had RFK assassinated, yeah. he's a prime suspect. He oh, was yeah. he was known to the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. He was had access to uh, RFK because he worked as a private security guard. Mm-hmm. He was standing behind Kennedy when the shooting happened. He had a gun in his hand while the shooting happened, and he owned a twenty two caliber that was the same bullets that were recovered. And he lied scene. about it. And then he lied about it yeah. to cover it up. Why do you lie about that? Especially Come when, you, on. when you know you're like Thane. Yeah. Come on, Thane. We know it was you. <laughs> we know. <laughs> makes no sense. I mean it makes all the sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah that ties in nicely with the CIA theory. Right. Yeah. So I think maybe the coolest theory. Yes. Which also has the least amount of info because least there's not really much you can do to prove it. Yeah, there's right. there's a lot of like speculative Info. I think but. this this theory is arguably the sort of core of the whole conspiracy. Yeah. Um, Which can go along with several other theories. Right. Because all of these theories that we've sort of talked about, like Nixon, the CIA, second gunman, all of this kind of is orbiting around one central theory, which is that um, Sirhan Sirhan was a Manchurian candidate. Hypnotized. Hypnotized to assassinate rfk by some shadow government force Mm -hmm. probably the cia persons unknown persons unknown and that he was not aware of his actions which again lines up with the fact that even shortly after the murder right said that he didn't remember doing it right um his mind was wiped in the aftermath so he would have no recollection Mm -hmm. or of the event itself or of who programmed him right or that he was programmed at all he was he was described as being like unnaturally serene. Exactly. In like amidst all the chaos after immediately following the assassination. We were just talking about photos and I said that I had seen this one photo of him. I was like, it looks like he's being led away from the scene, but like it can't be because he looks so calm. And right. Gray was like, no, that is from him being led away. Right. That's just how chill he looked. Right. He's just like, whatever's like. Which is a huge part of this conspiracy. Yeah. Like why else would he be so calm? Yeah. This theory supported by a psychologist and hypnosis expert, Dr. Edward Simpson Callis, who did 35 hours of work with Sirhan in San Quentin in 1969. Um, yeah. Essentially was like, yeah, dude. He's wicked. Hypnotizable. So easily hypnotizable. Right. He, yeah. And again, Sirhan, even now, all these years has always maintained that he does not remember right he doesn't remember writing that stuff in his diary mm-hmm. doesn't remember the murder right the aftermath nothing so which is the, the symptom of hypnosis you don't remember what you were doing while you were hypnotized exactly and yeah again would explain why he was so calm so when did this happen okay so remember when we were talking about um sirhan sirhan growing up being a stable boy mm. and he had all those falls where he would like hit his head and have to go to the hospital. Mm. So one of those particular times he fell off a horse or was kicked by a horse or in some way injured his head, went to the hospital. According to his family, he was gone for two weeks. According to the hospital's records, he was discharged after one day. Oh shit! So there's 13 days of missing time mm-hmm. for where Sirhan Sirhan was. He has no memory of where he was. He has some shadowy memories of being in a hospital room and being in like a sort of like a medical, like um, tiled room. Oh shit. But he doesn't remember where it was. It could technically be the hospital, I guess. He was being programmed. But the big theory is, yes, he was 
taken from that hospital by the CIA and brought into some sort of hypnosis program, which this isn't even so documented fact is that the CIA ran three specific codenamed programs that dealt specifically with hypnosis, mind control, and forcing people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Mm -hmm. They were Bluebird, Artichoke, and MKUltra. MKUltra is an episode later, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I requ- I did a Freedom of Information request for MKUltra documents did you really? when I was in like high school. Oh, you're so being watched. Right. I know. I mean, <laughs> I've been being watched since like Jeez. 2005. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, so these three named, like codenamed, like you, you can go Google these. Like this isn't like conspiracy yeah. theory. This is like the, the, the U.S. government has released documents proving that the CIA experimented with giving prisoners LSD at one point they gave one prisoner I think he might have even been like a homeless person like he didn't he wasn't like consenting to the study they gave him LSD for like 30 days straight Jesus so he was just tripping balls for 30 days like that who knows what that would do God um but with the express purpose of either as a truth serum or to convince people to do things that like they wouldn't normally do like in terms of like if you captured a spy you could have the spy like go back to his country and then like bring you documents or whatever Mm -hmm. so the cia was explicitly trying to find ways to manipulate people into doing things that they wouldn't normally do so that was and this was all taking place in the exact same time period that sirhan sirhan like between the time when sirhan sirhan hit his head as a kid or as a young adult mm-hmm. and assassinated RFK. Yeah. Like these timelines match up perfectly. Yeah, perfectly. So if that was sort of like when he was first indoctrinated or when they first experimented with him, I was like, holy shit, we can hypnotize this guy <laughs> so easy. Shit. Like, this is going to be way too easy. So the theory is basically that Sirhan Sirhan was repeatedly essentially hypnotized yeah. and they encoded in his brain a trigger word or a trigger action and when that word or like somebody squeezed his arm in a specific way or triggered him in some way he went into what what the hip hypnotizer sure called range mode okay. he actually solicited this out of um like he he would hypnotize sir and sir in prison and i think he said like um he said some certain trigger word and sir and sir would like 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 his face would change he would stand up and he would put his arms out like he was holding a gun and like pull the trigger a bunch of times and he would go into what the hypnotizer called range mode so the theory is that they programmed him to do this and when given this specific code word or a specific action he would draw his gun and just start firing not necessarily at a specific human Mm. but more just the way that you would fire at a gun range so so you had spoken before about how he was seen going to a gun range yeah in the weeks leading up to the RFK assassination. Even the day of. The day of. Yeah. So was he doing that of his own volition? Or was he hypnotized or in some other way being lured there and then being hypnotized while he was there and essentially being trained and groomed to be an assassin? Yeah, to figure out his target. Right. Which was also explained, like you said, when he was kind of tackled and was still just firing and kept clicking the gun after it was empty. Like, he's just like, I just got to do this. It wasn't a conscious response. He was just fully just... In range mode. Yeah. Ugh. Creepy. Wow. This is like, it's, it makes a lot of sense actually. I think it, it really does. I think it makes more sense. Weirdly enough, it makes more sense than just like him being like a lone wolf assassin. Yeah. Right. And it makes me feel really bad that yeah. he's been in prison since the late sixties. Honestly, when you like see interviews with him, he seems very just like 
sad, not for himself. Mm. I think he feels really bad for RFK. Yeah. And he, it like really weighs on his conscience that he did this to RFK and that he like gunned down this like great figure in American history. Yeah. It's a huge deal. Right. It's amazing. Like just one of those things, like how many people know his name. Right. Because of this terrible thing. Right. Exactly. And thinking that maybe he was programmed and this wasn't something that he did. Right. He had no interest. On his own volition. But again, he had... They had the perfect motive for him. They had the perfect mm-hmm. setup, this perfect, like, political intertwining, which, again, people jump on. People mm-hmm. love to blame refugees and, you know, especially mm-hmm. people from the Middle East. Again, oh, yeah. we're still doing this today. Yes. We're like, if there's any chance that somebody who did something terrible is somebody from another country right. is not the same color as us, yep. it's like, oh, yeah, of course it was them. Yeah. Of course. Like, we of don't want to look anywhere else. No. Just Case like, closed. yeah, it was that guy. Yeah, that refugee. Like, we, we won't even investigate this, like, door jam that has, like, three extra bullets yeah. in it because it was definitely the brown guy. Have, like, a fun little bonfire and roast marshmallows over that. Yeah. But, yeah, which, so you were just talking about him, well, I don't actually don't think you mentioned it, but you mentioned him having a trigger word yep. or a trigger action yeah so that kind of leads us into the last theory yep. which is the woman in the polka dot dress uh-huh. probably a theory that i think a lot of people have probably heard of like yep. i feel like before i delved too much into this i had heard about the woman in the polka dot dress right didn't know too much about it um so there's tons of witnesses who claim to see a woman in a polka dot dress throughout the hotel yep. both before and after the assassination yep um with sirhan sirhan with sirhan yes many people saw them together um, some people saw the two of them with a third, another man, second man. Um, yeah, there was a Kennedy campaign worker, Sandra Serrano. She said that around 1130 PM, she was sitting outside on a stairway that led to the ballroom when a woman and two men, one of whom she later stated was Sirhan, walked past her up the stairs around 30 minutes later. So just about the time that he was shot. Yep. Um, Serrano heard noises that sounded like what she thought was the backfire of an automobile. Right. Turned out to be the gunshots. Um, and then she saw the woman and one of the men, not Sirhan, obviously, running from the scene. She said the woman exclaimed, we shot him, we shot him. When Serrano asked the woman to whom she referred, she answered Senator Kennedy. So, If that's okay. not a smoking gun, I don't know what is it. <laughs> yeah. Um, supposedly, Dwayne Wolfer, again, stated that he conducted tests and that Serrano couldn't have heard the gunshots where she claimed she heard them. Um, and there was, like, the special counsel, Thomas F. Kranz, who commented in his report that Serrano later admitted to fabricating the story, but Serrano maintained that she was worn down during relentless questioning by the LAPD and forced into a coerced retraction. There was one little quote that I found that was kind of an example from the um, dialogue of like their back and forth during one of the times that she was interviewed. Right. Um, This man, Enrique Hernandez, he was the guy who was conducting the polygraph tests for the special unit senator group, which was the group set up by the LAPD to handle the investigation. Okay. Um, It has him saying to Serrano, I think you owe it to Senator Kennedy, the late Senator Kennedy, to come forth, to be a woman about this. If he, and you and I don't know whether he's a witness right now in this room watching what we're doing in here, don't shame his death by keeping this thing up. I have compassion for you. I want to know why. I want to know why you did what you did. This is a very serious thing. Serrano replied, I seen those people. And then Hernandez said, no, 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 Sandy. Remember what I told you about that. You can't say you saw something when you didn't see it. Wow. Like, the bizarre thing about that is, like, we don't know whether or not Senator Kennedy's, like, watching right. us what right now. what a weird thing to, like, in, like, like yeah. talk about the, the ghost of Senator Kennedy in Basically, the room with you. Yeah. Like, like, we don't know if he's in here or not. Wow. Like, watching you and, like, be a woman about this. Right. So her, 
insistence was that, yeah, she was badgered into, like, come on, Which, take that back. from the sounds of it, like, that's not an impartial police officer trying to get the truth. That's no. somebody with an agenda trying to get you to say the words that you want them to say. Yeah. When you say, like, I seen those people and he's like, no, 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 like, you didn't. Like, at some point, a lot of people are going to be like, okay, yeah, you're Fuck right. It, yeah. yeah like, I want to go home. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm done with this. Yeah. Um, there was another witness, a freelance photographer who was with the campaign, saw the girl in the dress. Another reported seeing her with Sirhan at various points in the evening, including in the kitchen. Right. She was supposedly right next to him when he shot Kennedy. Yep. Um, and the most interesting thing for me was in 74, <clears throat> retired <laughs> LAPD officer Paul Shiraga told a newsman in Los Angeles that as he was responding to the shooting, an elderly couple reported to him that they saw a couple in their early 20s, one of whom was a woman in a polka dot dress. They were smiling and shouting, we shot him, we killed Kennedy, we shot him, we killed him. Shiraga stated that he filed official reports of the incident, but that they disappeared and were never investigated. Wow. So there were a lot of people who saw this woman, who saw her with Sirhan, Mm -hmm. um, and several people saw her like gleefully exclaiming that we killed him, we shot him. Right. Um, and yet, you know, she was never found. She was never like interviewed. I mean, I don't know how you would find her seriously, like considered to be a suspect Yeah, from what I can tell, which is crazy. So if he was indeed programmed, right. She was very easily one of his, like you were saying earlier, one of his handlers, the person who was kind of there to make sure this happened to give him the code word, whatever. Right. So potentially when her and Sirhan were standing in the kitchen and, JF or RFK was fucking a. second time um, when the woman in the polka dot dress and Sirhan were in the kitchen yeah. and RFK is in front of them. She either squeezed his arm in a specific way or whispered the code word in his ear or in some way gave him the signal yeah. that made him snap into range mode. And then at that point, either the security guard or that second guy who was with the woman in the polka dot dress opened fire mm. while that was happening fired the fatal shot that killed JFK woman in the polka dot dress and the woman ran away. And, um, Sirhan was basically just left with a gun in his hand and has now taken the fall for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It seems bizarre to me that people saw her so excited right. about the killing. Right. And, and that seems like very personal. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she had, like she was the one who had an agenda. Right. When my sort of understanding of the whole conspiracy around it is very much like a, almost transactional like it's business mm. or like you know like an intelligence operation but she seemed very like personal about it yeah she seemed psyched yeah which it was is just weird. odd and the i don't know the wording of like we killed him mm-hmm. does definitely it makes it seem like you know i mean clearly even if she even if there was no hypnosis even if she didn't trigger him to do it she clearly knew of his intentions right i started to delve into like these crazy interviews between other witnesses who had spotted her at different points in the, that few days. Yeah. Um, which I, I did a lot of research. I will admit in past topics. Sometimes I like research the night before we're recording, <laughs> like shit, get all your stuff together. Yeah. But this was like at least like an hour or two a day. I like delved into this cause I just knew it was hardcore. Yeah. And I just started delving into those interviews today and I just didn't have time yeah. to, and it would have made this episode like two hours long. Right. But I, was fascinated by the fact that like this one dude, just the one interview I started to read, he was talking about seeing her and kind of having like a brief conversation with her and her seeming like really suspicious of him, like not knowing if he could trust her or if she could trust him. This was just some random guy who was at the hotel, you know, who maybe was part of the convention, who was part of, you know, one of the many staffers, like who knows. 
Um, but he just, you know, the polka dot dress, I think, made her stand out, which I don't know if that was yeah. intentional or not. Right, which is what I was wondering, too. Like, like polka dot seems like seems a very so garish way to dress when you're, you know, yeah. handling a, like, a, essentially a weapon. Like, this guy is right. a weaponized, hypnotized person. Like, yeah. Maybe she just knew that there would be, I don't know, knew that nobody was going to suspect her. Mm-hmm. Like, that she was going to be able to get away with it, like, regardless of what she was wearing. Right. But, yeah, he just, he made it seem like this woman, even in a casual conversation, like, was kind of gauging, you know, whether or not she could tell him certain things. Which, again, kind of plays into, like, her seeming excited. Like, it was almost like she wanted to talk about it. Right. And just yeah, wanted to see who she could trust. poker face. No, like... If she was a CIA Jesus, but if she was she fucking was bad. up big yeah, time. she was real bad. Like, and she said something to him along the lines of, like, you know, if you're here after the, the speech or whatever, like, you're going to see us put an end to this or whatever. Like, made some weird comment to him, and he was just like, what? Like... Okay. And, but there were just so many people who saw her throughout the, those few days and just kind of remembered seeing her out and about, which is again, like the polka dot dress, dude. Mm -hmm. Why not just wear like a neon green, like top hat? Everybody's noticing you. Right. You're standing out all over the place. But maybe that's the thing. It seems like she's wants the attention. She wants to be known for the, as the one who like either coordinated this or did whatever. Yeah. So it's like she wants that notoriety. She wants the fame. Yeah, like running around. Like I think one witness saw her leaving the kitchen saying we killed him. And then like those other people saw her leaving, you know, the one woman saw her just like going down the stairs. The other couple saw her leaving the hotel itself. Like she's just running around everywhere just being like, we did it. We killed him. Like we killed Kennedy. Right. Like that just seems like, again, somebody who has a very personal stake in this. Somebody who doesn't have a great poker face, but right. somebody on the same at the same time who maybe just knew there was no chance that she was going to get implicated. Right. So she's just kind of, yeah, like bragging about it. Like, I'm never going to get caught. Like, weird to think that that woman maybe still exists somewhere. Right. And that nobody will, you know. Maybe she's listening to this episode right now. Oh, shit. So, like, somebody knows who she is. Right. She at least knows who she is. Right. But she seems so eager to talk about it. Somebody fucking knows. She I'm probably sure she's run her mouth to somebody. Yeah. If Facebook existed at the time, she probably would have posted about it. Yep. And people would have been like, okay. Right. We know who killed Kennedy. And she's like, no, really. No, it was me. It was me. And they're like, okay. Sure you did. But yeah. So that's, that's RFK. It's the assassination that's of RFK. probably like 10% of oh, RFK. Oh yeah. But you, can, you can delve into this. I highly suggest if anybody's listening to this podcast and they were interested in RFK, there's a podcast by uh, Crime Town. It's called the RFK tapes, mm. and they do a deep dive into the hypnosis theory. They have all kinds of like actual like audio of Sirhan Sirhan, and it's very satisfying if you're really into the evidence that we presented today because they go deep. Mm. So yeah, I really want to make that like my next because I love Crime Town, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. I haven't listened to the RFK tapes, but now that we've delved into this as much as we have, I really want to learn more. Oh yeah, because it's fascinating. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, uh, I guess I could, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll run through sort of the, uh, the overall, my, my, the way that the pieces fit in my particular brain, because that's kind of what I do. Is that as I'm reading this stuff, I'm, I'm putting it all together. So you've got either Nixon or the CIA or both in concert and maybe some other people involved as well who decide that they want rfk dead for various reasons maybe it's because nixon doesn't want to run against him maybe it's because if he becomes president he's going to end the vietnam war and the whole military industrial complex will lose a lot of money who knows so they decide that they want him dead so they take sirhan sirhan who has either already just been known to the cia's mind control 
like group, you know, maybe they didn't have a specific reason for brainwashing him at first. They were just kind of like poking around to see like, hey, who can we find who's like super impressionable? And they find him and they're like, oh, sweet. Oh, shit. So then they just kind of like keep him on the back burner. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we, we, we've got this guy. They figure out, okay, we need to get RFK assassinated. We're going to tap into that dude, Saran Saran. Then you have Saran Saran start training. Go to the gun range. Maybe he was meeting the woman in the polka dot dress there. I remember hearing that Saran Saran was kind of a lonely dude. He liked mm. to spend time in his room. And the woman in the polka dot dress was known to be like a pretty woman. So if he's at a gun range and there's a pretty woman there talking to him, there's chances are that he would be, you know, engaged enough that she could hypnotize him or yeah. he would be susceptible to it. So he, you know, she develops his range mode while he's being hypnotized at this gun range over the period of a few weeks um, and then invites him or finds a way to get him to the ambassador hotel that day. When um, RFK is walking through the uh, kitchen, she's standing there right next to him. She either gives him the signal by squeezing his arm or whispering in his ear. He snaps into range mode, pulls out his pistol, starts firing wildly, maybe hits Kennedy a couple times. Um, But while he is distracting everybody and firing his gun, the real assassin is behind RFK somewhere, Mm -hmm. puts the gun right up to his head, fires the gun about an inch away, leaving powder burns on the back of RFK's head. RFK falls dead. Um, Sirhan Sirhan takes the fall for it. The woman in the polka dot dress and her accomplice run out of the building and scream, we killed Kennedy, we killed Kennedy. Yeah. And then, during the investigation, when all this is going to come out, the LAPD decides to just not investigate massive pieces of evidence, like the door jam, Mm -hmm. and then sort of just bury it all and just say like, no, 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 lone wolf, yeah, open shut, quick, quick and easy. And then, um, you know, a few years later, they, after everything's kind of died down, they just quietly burn the, you know, the biggest piece of evidence that says that the, their conclusion was wrong and just hope that it's all going to go away and it's going to go down as, you know, not a conspiracy. Yeah. Little do they know. It's exhausting to think about, but like it it all fits together. Like it's, there's no part of that. That's like, oh man, like everything except for that one bit. Yeah. Like all the puzzle pieces fit. Yeah. That's the bizarre thing is that really like you go through all of the theories and instead of like, oh no, like some of these are believable, some aren't like, but if this one makes sense and the other ones don't, it's like, no, they all kind of work together. Right. That like, yeah, it could have been more than one gunman easily and that other gunman could have easily been part of the cia or some other branch of government right the polka dot dress woman easily fits in as some type of accomplice in some way the hypnotism plays right in to how they got him to do it to begin with right and yeah that's pretty much what you got it's wild everything together it almost makes more sense than the sort of accepted theory like he got it just i don't buy the whole lone wolf theory in this particular in this particular instance, like no. the only sort of like evidence of him really hating RFK was his notebooks where he wrote like RFK must die. Mm. But to me, that sounds like if you hypnotize somebody and you're really trying to ingrain in them that somebody wants to die, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to have him write the words J- RFK must die yeah. hundred times in his notebook. Yeah. You know what I mean? A million times, like just over and over. Yeah. Like instead of him writing like Sirhan Sirhan plus RFK, he's just mm-hmm. like, he's got to die Yeah. over and over. And right. people are like, oh, well, there you go. It's got to be. He said it. Right. And he's got this beef with him so he totally did it no no so yeah do a deep dive listen to the rfk tapes it's fascinating i will also be doing that it's gonna be awesome um but yeah that's rfk 
RFK assassination. Maybe one of our favorite, my, my favorite topics so far. Yeah, me too. Super cool. I love conspiracy theories. Which is, yeah, I love conspiracy theory. It's surprising because I love paranormal stuff, but, and this was like a big departure from that, but conspiracy theories, man. Yeah. 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 So check us out on Facebook. Yep. Check us out on Instagram at a knowable podcast. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yep. Give check us a review. Our, yeah. Give us a review and a rating, please. Um, and yeah, just let us know if you have any questions or topics that you want us to talk about. Tell us what you think. We got a zillion topics coming up. So maybe one of these days we'll get organized enough that we can like announce the next topic at the end of an episode, but probably not. Probably not. It's never going to happen. But yeah. Sweet. Was it RFK? This is episode nine. Damn. Of Unknowable. 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 All right. Love you. <laughs>